Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. You know, something very interesting happened on October 6th, the same day as Hannah's birthday. Uh, Lauren Cunningham. Anybody know that name? Lauren Cunningham? Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, just passed away. He just went to heaven. And, you know, YWAM has gone into... um, I know at least Lauren Hunt Cunningham has been to every nation in the world. Every nation. I, which I think it's now it's like 200 nations, something like that. Could be more, could be a little bit less. But they have YWAM locations in 191 nations. Um, there were, by the time of YWAM's 50th anniversary in 2010, There were 5 million participants who had served in YWAM programs as as students, short-term volunteers, and full-time staff. 5 million. Folks, that's awesome. How do, you know, there's people who, there's always somebody on YouTube that has a channel that says, you know, uh, you know, Pastor Armin is is really you know one of the two witnesses, or 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 they don't like him at all, right? You read about how they they you know slander you know like guys like Dr. Brown and and different ones, and and he's one of them that has been slandered. But it's amazing to me that somebody who had a vision from God has allowed the Lord to use them in such a spectacular way that millions and billions of souls have been, have been impacted. Seeds have been planted, right? Seeds have been watered around the world because of the vision that the Lord gave him with YWAM. So uh, it, there's so much I could read and talk about that is just so wonderful. Uh, my message today is called To All Who Are Thirsty. To All Who Are Thirsty. When I was thinking about Lauren Cunningham, I read a couple quotes, and one of them really stood out to me. He said, The biggest vision that I could ever imagine, and he died when he was 88 years old. He said, The biggest vision that I could ever imagine is to get the Bible and the message of Jesus in every language on earth. That's his vision. (laughs) Like, some of us struggle to have a vision to just buy a Bible and give it to somebody that's already in our language. This is a guy who wanted to get a Bible in every language on earth. I think that's awesome. You know, last week, I have been really thinking about the harvest. And I really wasn't connecting it with the Feast of Tabernacles, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But I felt like 
more and more the last several a few years I noticed there's thir- certain themes the Lord will speak to me about but I really didn't understand some of the feasts and then it would coincide with the feasts of the Lord and I thought it was very interesting about that but when I was thinking about the harvest I'm thinking about who could better understand the harvest than Lauren Cunningham you know the harvest what are we talking about the souls in the world that are that we're called to be witnesses to that we're called to go make disciples of you know I believe that with all the prayer that we've had thus far the conflict in Israel right now and even the resistance to the gospel that is around the world right now that the Lord is preparing his church to sow gospel seeds and also to reap souls into the kingdom amen for this coming harvest how many of you believe that before Jesus comes back for his second coming that there's gonna be a great falling away but I also believe the Bible talks about that there's going to be a great harvest, an ingathering of souls. Sometimes we give the devil more credit than he deserves. Amen? I always love like guys like Reinhard Bonnke who would say things, I want to populate heaven and depopulate hell. I mean, I like that kind of an attitude. He wasn't just saying, well, I hope to just go to church today and hear a good message. No, these guys were thinking on another level. Where did they get that idea and thought from? Did they, were they just more passionate than the rest of us? Did they just have a better speaking ability than the rest of us? Did they just have more money? Friend, I don't believe that that has anything to do with it. I believe there are some things that took place in their lives as they encountered the Lord that led them to have a heart for the harvest fields. You know, disciples who are thirsty for God's presence will always, say always, always. be sensitive to the souls thirsty for salvation. We become sensitive to the harvest as the Lord secretly shares his heart with us for the lost. For too long, we've taught people that going to be a Christian means going to church. And now we're realizing that going to church doesn't change anything. It doesn't. I mean, you could be very... There are millions of people who go to church who have never shared their faith with anybody. What's the difference between the church and a self-help group? Nothing unless Jesus is your Lord. Unless Jesus is your reason for going to church. We don't go to church to get Jesus. We bring Jesus with us to church. The mentality is a relationship with God. Not just trying to be around a crowd so we feel good about all the things that are happening around us. You know, I had incredible joy this morning because Albert, one of our former feeding program uh, young men, is up here leading in worship this morning. I mean, come on. That's pretty amazing. 
that a young man who was very depressed and hopeless and all kinds of problems and difficulties growing up has grown more and more confident of who he is in Jesus. And that's not because he just goes to the church, has relationship with you and me. It's because he has a personal relationship with Jesus. And now he and others want to make a difference on their college campus. You see, I like that. You see, because if you know somebody's a Christian, they don't just allow the Lord to pour into them. They want God to pour out from them. Amen? You know, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, this is when Solomon had built the temple, and now was the day of celebration to inaugurate, to, to kind of, you know, invite the Lord's presence and put the Ark of the Covenant where it should go and all of those things in the most holy place. It says, And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place. Okay, the priests went into the holy place. They're carrying in the Ark of the Covenant to set it in the most holy place, right? It says that when they came out of the holy place, that a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of God filled the house of the Lord. This coincided with the Feast of Tabernacles. This is exactly the time period when this took place. And I'm going to talk about what the Feast of Tabernacles is here in just a moment. But imagine this. Who in this room is a priest of God? If you're born again, you're a priest. I'm not saying a Catholic priest or an evangelical pastor. I'm saying that Jesus has become our high priest and we now are called priests of the Lord. We uh, read in 1 Peter, right, that we are a nation of priests. We are grafted into Israel. So we become a part of the priesthood of all believers. This past uh, week before I was teaching about how in the church after the death of the last apostle, you had uh, the early church fathers, you had the beginning of the church and the Catholic church and different leaders who came about. And, and some of these leaders thought that their authority was so much more important than everybody else's authority that they separated what's called clergy from laity. That clergy and laity is not taught in the Bible. That came from people who elevated themselves above everybody else. As much as I appreciate, and I know these leaders appreciate you honoring us, we all stand the same height at Calvary. Everybody here needs Jesus. I don't care how smart you are, how long you've been in church, how much uh, you know experience and testimonies you have. Everybody needs Jesus. And God allows certain people to be leaders, not because we want to stand over and lord over people, but because we want to come up underneath people and we want to serve them the gospel. 
Jesus came to his own disciples and washed their feet before he was murdered. And he knew what was going to happen. He told them that they would all reject him. And in his mercy while he's dying on that cross, even the ones that were closest to him, listen, Jesus felt the sin of every human being would ever commit, including his own mother and father's sin. Mary and Joseph. Could you imagine how painful that must have been to experience that type of pressure, separation that all mankind would feel and yet still he has the ability because he was holy and there was nobody else like him he said Father forgive them for they know not what they're doing and then he breathes his last he dies, earthquake shakes veils torn in two and what happens now we all are seated with Christ who are born again in heavenly places. You have become a priest of the Lord. So I want to read this thing again, this scripture again, with you thinking in mind that you, as being a born again believer, are a priest of the Lord. And it came to pass, when the priest came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Are you with me? so that the priests could not continue ministering because the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. How many of you want the glory of the Lord more than anything else? I thank God for the gifts that we have in leadership. I thank God for men and women that serve with the capacity that God has given them to serve and, and how amazed we are at the teaching and the training and the faithfulness and the continual guidance and all of those things is amazing. But friend, without the glory and the presence of the Lord, we as a church have no different identity than a Buddhist, than a Muslim or any other religion in the world. The presence of the Lord, the Word of God is what separates us. Moses said, we do not want to go up from here without your presence. Your presence is our identity. He knew that under the old covenant. And we have a better covenant than what they had. There's no veil between us and God anymore. That means your devotional life, your place of prayer and intimacy with the Lord, your ability to open the Word of God and light to illuminate your very inmost being and your ability to pray in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Friend, you have authority. You have power. Friend, don't think that because we're so far away from Israel that we can't do anything. Oh, there's lots we can do. We just have to do it in faith. We just have to do it believing that God has anointed us and our prayers are effectual and powerful. We stand before the throne of God and we live to make intercession. Why? Because we're standing with Jesus in His posture of prayer. 
And this mindset is changing our thought pattern to where we don't take authority by trying to control people anymore, but we take authority by humbling ourselves. The meek will inherit the earth. How are we going to see revival? How are we going to see awakening? How are we going to see your loved ones' lives change? How are we going to see people healed and miracles and breakthroughs in Israel? It's not by might, not by power, by my spirit. It's by being a people of prayer and understanding that I have to devote my life to the Lord as a man or a woman of prayer in secret and as a congregation. So what is the Feast of Tabernacles? otherwise known as Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot or the, even the Feast of Booths is a week-long festival. It just ended on October 6th, her birthday. Very interesting. It's commemorating the 40-year journey of the Israelites in the wilderness, right? When they left Egypt to go on their way to the promised land. It commemorates that 40-year period of wandering in the wilderness. Along with Passover and the Festival of Weeks, Sukkot is one of three great pilgrimage feasts recorded in the Bible when all Jewish males were required to appear before the Lord in the temple of Jerusalem. The word Sukkot means booths. Throughout the holiday, Jews observed this time by building a dwelling in temporary shelters. And just like the Hebrew people did, right? When they were wandering in the wilderness, that it's a joyous celebration. It's a reminder of God's deliverance, His protection, His salvation, His provision, and His faithfulness. Amen? So that's why Israel does it. Look, it's amazing to me that Israel that largely denied their Messiah but keep the feasts of the Lord, how merciful God is and, and how he values that when they commemorate the wanderings that took place in the past, he's still trying to reveal himself. I get frustrated with people when I ask them to do something and they don't do it. <laughs> One time two times, three times, four times, five, right? And I say it over and over and over, and then it's like, okay, what I'm saying to you is not important to you at all. <laughs> so what do I do with that? A lot of times, I'll just give up. I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, I may not give up on the individual, but I'm going to think, well, Lord, if they're not going to respond to my pleas to want to help them, then... There's nothing I can do for them. How many times has the Lord been denied by the people that he chose and they still continually wander? Israel's not only wandered for 40 years, they've wandered for thousands of years. Thousands. And yet the God who loves them and chose them forgave them 2,000 years ago and he patiently waits for them to turn to him. Why? Because he's a God, listen, who has harvests as his vision. 
He has harvest as his vision. He's, look, God is not just saying, well, I sent Jesus to you 2,000 years ago, so if you're not going to receive him, then I'm just going to wait until the right day, and I can't wait to judge you all because I'm sick of you. <laughs> no, that's, he doesn't, he doesn't, his emotions are not corrupted by sin like ours are. And he's not guided by his emotions. He's guided by truth. And what God says, he expects it to be followed through. So when we as a church don't do what God asks us to do, and we try to do what he asks us to do another way, because we think we have a better way outside of prayer, fasting, obedience, loving one another above ourselves, he patiently waits for us, because he's looking for us to reveal his heart to a people that he's longing and patiently waiting to turn to him. Scott Volk, one of the, our mentors that we've known for years, some of you know who Scott is, he said this about the Feast of Tabernacles. He said it was actually during the Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus made the declaration, this declaration to the Jewish people. John 7, 37 through 38. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow where? From him. Now this is different than the water at the well that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. He said that the water I want to give you this water is, and he was referring to salvation, this water will be like a fountain of living water that's within you. And you've heard me talk about this before, that a fountain stays in one place, and it's for only you. Your born-again experience can't be, you know, supplemented for somebody else's experience. They got to have their own fountain with God. Amen? But Jesus is saying... When the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that it will be like a river that flows from you. What's the purpose of that river? It's to water the seeds of harvest that are in the ground so that souls could be saved. It's people who demonstrate the kingdom, who preach the word of God, who live in intimacy with Jesus, that as they go and reveal his nature and character to the world, they will sense a flood water coming from your ability and mind that doesn't come necessarily from us but from him who's above us Scott goes on to say this was significant as there was a water libation ceremony that took place each year during the feast of tabernacles listen where the high priest would draw water from the pool of shalom and pour it on the temple steps Right? From the top of the temple steps going down. And the water just floods downward, right? It symbolizes the day when the Spirit of God would cover the earth with His water. It was in the midst of this celebration that Jesus called everyone to come to Him as the source of living water. 
In this season of celebration, may we all, Jew and Gentile alike, hunger and thirst for Jesus so that in him we may be filled. Listen, whenever you and I pray, we connect to the water source. And as we connect to the water source that was poured out on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, we know that is how we will become aware of the harvest around us. See, you will not think of the lost. You will not think of the broken. You will not think of the poor. You will not think of the needy and do something about it unless the Spirit of God is moving upon you. Look, I know wealthy, wealthy businessmen in this city. I play basketball with them in the past, and uh, some of them treat me like their priest. You know, hey, bro, can we get together? I'll get in their vehicle, and then they'll sit and unload everything to me that they won't tell to anybody else. <laughs> you know, one time one of them handed me his laptop, and he asked me to fix something on it, because uh, I, I think I had told him I had done something like that on mine. And when I got it, he had all kinds of pornography on it. Like tons of porn, gigabytes of porn. So, because it was in my hand, drag the file, delete. And that was all pornography he paid for. You say, Eric, why could you do that? because there's water that flows from me. <laughs> I'm trying to cleanse him and his laptop. So I handed it back to him. I didn't tell him what I did because I knew, I knew his conscience would be pricked. I mean, come on, bro. Don't, don't you know what I do? <laughs> so he, I hand it back to him. And I get a message like some days. I think there were some days he's thinking, should I write something? Should I not write something? Should I write something? And he writes to me. He goes, bro, hey, were there some files that accidentally got deleted? So I said, oh, yeah, you mean all the pornography on there? Yeah, I deleted it for you so you won't struggle with it anymore. Now, I know that's a little aggressive. But he asked for it. Listen, we will not become aware of the harvest around us unless the Spirit of God is staying in front of us. We just won't. Listen, that's why we keep saying there's such an incredible relationship between prayer and evangelism. That's why we're calling this house of prayer the Bayanihan house of prayer. Because we are a moving house of prayer. We're not a prayer house that just is in one place and we just, you know, everybody comes at a one location. That's part of it. You know, in, at the end of Acts chapter 2, verses 40, 40 to 45, something like that, it says they met, the early believers met from house to house and in the temple daily. So there was one location that they went to and then there were multiple locations that they met in different houses and as by doing that, that became their place of discipleship. One of the most difficult things about leading a cell group or probably the D DBS groups is where are we going to meet, right? 
But listen, when we stop being ashamed of how our living situation is, because Jesus set us free from shame, we will open our house, no matter how big or small it is, and invite people to come so that they can experience the living water flowing from us. Amen. See, I know you. I know you don't want us to come to your house sometimes because of some of those issues. And that's totally fine. But I want you to know that shame is not your identity anymore. That Jesus sets me and you free from that. And he gives us his heart for people who are bound with shame. We cannot go set the captives free if we're not free ourselves. But if we are free and we're pursuing God in prayer, we're seeking his face individually and corporately, then what is going to happen? We are going to see a harvest that is going to be reaped. Amen? Listen, without a fresh daily drink from the water of life, it is impossible for us to become aware of the desperate souls around us who long for a drink of water. Listen, prayer opens our eyes to the harvest around us. If you don't remember anything I said today, you should remember that. Prayer opens our eyes to the harvest around us. I really believe this season that we're in, we're excited about prayer. We have the once a month all night prayer meeting. We have the uh, prayer nights. We had an incredible prayer night here last Friday night. I mean, it was just awesome. We had, I don't know how many people were there, probably 15, 20 people. And yet everybody was really engaged. Even the kids, uh, Mika was sharing a, 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 just a burden that she had for souls that she goes to school with. And I love it. How old is Mika? 17 years old. And she has a burden from the Lord for those people. Why? Because there's water flowing from the life of her parents. It's flowing from those of you who pour into her life and it's building up Mika. Who knows one day Mika might be sent to India. Oh, there she is. I was looking all over for you. She might sing beautifully like these young ladies did today. Amen? I want an Indian song on my birthday, okay, when I come back, all right? I really am excited. I, I believe we're going to see so many more pioneering works. I think we're going to see more young people. I'm, so, I'm thrilled to see young people uh, not only coming to the burn and the youth programs, but that they're sharing their faith. Friend, when the young people get on fire, it's not by accident. It's because the hearts of the fathers have turned towards the children. The hearts of the children are turning to the fathers. And we say, we don't want the curse anymore. We want blessing. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.